Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Stephanie Booth, and our co-host, kind is of forever, Daddy McFatty. <laughs> is Stephen Booth, man, the fat man to the right. How is Don't everybody today? Well, you know how I said Stephanie didn't have any research. This time she has some. I stole one of my dad's. <laughs> Stick one of my stories. <laughs> She's going to read it. It's a dwarf village, so just bear with it. With All the this. short it's people her first, out there. <laughs> it's her first uh, solo report. Yeah. So this is her first uh, reporting job. My favorite report. Yes. All but like I said, after this, e- short. after this episode, Stephanie will g- be our uh, <laughs> UFO reporter. Yup. All the, peop- all the short people out yes. there don't feel and short. An, and I was thinking about another part of the show we can do is look them up on YouTube mm. and uh, talk about them and be like, oh, man. Because there's some stuff you just can't explain. I don't give a damn what people says. I it's fine. I said damn. I didn't mean to. And I said it again. Dying. Dying it to heck. Yeah, but there's just some stuff you can't explain out there, and that's the basis of our show, you know. Mm-hmm. What's really out there? Who's hiding it and why? Why are you scared of the big truth? <laughs> but it is funny how recently our government came out and said that, uh, yeah, UFOs are real, but nobody really gave a crap because we kind of already knew that. You should have said that before, government. Yeah. I'm sorry. But they but... did it in all this corona COVID stuff because they knew nobody would pay much attention to it. Yeah, that's why they did it. Yeah. Well, you want to go first, Skippy? Yo. Skip the truth to my about the Dwarf Village of China. With 40% of this of its people being several hands shorter than the average human being. China's Dwarf Village young 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 is how you pronounce it. Sorry, these are Chinese words, and we're like, hang chow. <laughs> Young, youngish, right? Youngish. 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 Sorry, I had to go turn the fan. I had to turn the fan off. Too much back noise, guys. Youngish. Youngish has been puzzled. Puzzling. Has been puzzling scientists for decades. It is situated in. It is situated in southwest China. Um, that word after China. Yeah, okay, it's situated in southwest China, uh, China's Sichuan province. 36 of 80 residents are divorced. You know, they're little people. <laughs> no offense, but it's true. The tallest one has been three feet and ten inches tall. And the shortest is two feet and one inch. Wow. Dang, could you imagine being two feet high? That would suck. I wonder how uh, Emily and Faith feel. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Quit. Read. Stop. There are no... Sorry, read. Stop it. We got one of our dogs trying to jump on our dang laps. They know what we're doing. We're recording, you morons. <laughs> Sorry, we're. Ad- I love dogs. I'm. I'm not that mean. We I might have sound four like of it. them. Yeah. One of them's with my sister's stepdad. Yeah. We all know who that is. The yeah. Simone. 
All right, get on with the dwarf story, Simone. There, there is no proper explain for this tale. Explanation. Explanation for this tale. Tell? Tell, tell? Yeah, know. for this tale. Tilly, tally, same thing. Tell. Date is, but it is definitely not something. <laughs> Sorry, we was adjusting the mic. Sorry, our cat just ran in. Definitely not something to be ignored <laughs> from this testing. It is in amphibi. What? Ignored <laughs> testing and habits. Where did where did you see that? Oh, inhabits. Oh, I thought I said amphibians. From testing the inha inhabit inhabit inhabitants, Ugh. to testing the grain, soil, water of the area, scientists have literally tried eventually positively every method to uh, basically see why everybody in the town is basically a dwarf. And they got no explanation for it at all. They can't explain it. Several location, several locations suffered from a mysterious condition of mainly active, active young child of being the ages of five and seven. These children have stopped growing, remaining at the some at the some same hands same height height of of a five year old height of the rest of their lives. Apart from the ability ability, ability. to grow taller, some <laughs> Some of these victims also suffered from a virus, a virus of a, another disability. Another theory, or con, conjury? Another condition. Con, uh... Another theory conjured up by village by villagers include the Japanese invasion of China, which led to the reliance release of various toxins, gases. However, the Japanese never reached Yoka's Yankishi. Some say that it is their ancestors who have brought down the wrath on them because they were not given their got not given their much deserved burial others say that the uh, area areas bad phoenix shoe is responsible for the stunted growth you want to try some more yep. So basically, nobody really knows, but come on, it's got to be something in the genes there. Yeah. I mean, why else? But that would suck. It's kind of like that 
disease like Andre the Giant had. He his body never quit growing. Mm-hmm. I guess theirs grows well, body wise at a certain stops. height and it stops, but they mature everywhere else, like brain wise and you know, they're mm-hmm. they're Wow, the why these reasons <clears throat> are pretty weird. The most brism apart pair of bizarre of all explanations. The most bizarre of all explanations is that of court of the course of black turtles crossing to the story. A black turtle with strange feet has been spotted by a man named Wong. 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 Hey, Wong. What's <laughs> up with that black-footed duck you got there, Wong? Dad, stop. Sorry, you're Wong. <laughs> hey, Wong, you're wrong. Stop. You're going to get us... Something's going to happen. The villager suffered a... The villager suffered a delay. Ow. Was he getting your feet? Yeah, come on, get the reading. Or I'll read it, one of the uh, two. That word right there. The villager suffered a dilemma. Dilemma. Dilemma between. Lot. Lay, lay, letting the sea turtle go and this feasting on it and it became a religious taste but but religious re billy Rocco stop it and it's because of the... Sorry, this is taking so long. I yeah, it's read. okay. Anyways, they're doing all... They're basically giving all these scientific fact, or scientific crap and all that. But basically, it all boils down to... It was, a, it was a town in China, and they're all the same height, and they can't explain why they've done tests on that. But basically, it's, it's in their genes, man. The whole town's like that. So it's got to be in the genes. I'm pretty sure their ancestors, like, yeah. they feasted on the black turtle, I'm pretty sure it said. Yes. It's a curse from that black-footed duck. <laughs> For real. It's a curse. The black-footed duck gave it to him. Okay. My story Stop is... Stop giving me that death eye. Rocker's looking at me like, really? 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 You and that cat. Ah. Nope. All right, quit. Stop God it. dang it, stop. Sorry, he's itching. Spot. Okay. I'm going to do the uh, unexplained mystery of the missing people from the MV Joyette. The strange mis- uh, mystery of the missing people. The MV Mayetta was a merchant vessel from which 25 passengers and crew mysteriously disappeared in the South Pacific 
1955. That's how they found the ship. Uh, okay. To this day, no evidence of the uh, whereabouts of the missing people have surfaced. The boat was found. The boat was found adrift in the South Pacific without its crew on board. We're not doing that. Stop. The, sh the ship was also in very poor condition, including corroded pipes and radio in a radio which, while functionally, only had a range of about two miles due to the uh, faulty uh, wiring. I'm getting there. I had to switch me papers. About 5 a.m. on October the 3rd, 1955, the Joyetta left <coughs> Samoa's Baya Harper, bound for the Tukalua Islands, about 270 miles away. <coughs> <coughs> The boat had been scheduled to leave on the uh, noon tide the uh, previous day, but the uh, but she didn't get to depart because it was delayed because of the uh, uh, doing some engine work at the port, so they didn't get to leave when they did. They eventually left uh, Samoa on uh, on one engine. She was carrying sixteen crew members and nine passengers, including a government official, a doctor, and a uh, corporal buyer, and two children. The voyage was expected to take between 41 to 48 hours. God dang, that's a long time on a boat. That's like two, three days. Mm. Since uh, the boat was scheduled to return with a cargo of Carpa, the uh, Joyetta was scheduled to arrive in the Tuckalua Islands on December 5th. On December 6th, a message from the Fagofa, Fagofa Port. What happened to normal names? I don't know. Reported that the uh, ship was overdue. No ship or land based uh, operation reported receiving our distress signal or anything that day. Now the ghost ship. Five weeks later on November the 10th, Gerald Douglas, captain of the uh, merchant ship Tavalua, on route from on route from another on another route heading somewhere else, passed by the vessel. Uh and it was heading west from the scheduled route, drifting north of Vanu Laview. The ship was partially submerged and lasting heavily in le uh, leaking heavily, and there was no trace of any of the passengers or crew. Four tons of cargo was also missing. So on this story, 
the crew and the cargo is missing. Okay. A strange discovery. The party that boarded the ship noted that the radios discovered turned to 2182KHZ, the International Marina Radio Distress Channel. The electric clocks on the board had mysteriously stopped at 1025. The ship's logout books and all that stuff and other naval equipment naval equipment was as well and uh, the miller kept the boat it was the firearms that miller kept in the boat were missing too so there's all the uh stuff for the boat and all that missing too so they were like okay, okay. what's going on a doctor's bag was found on the dock containing a stethoscope and a scalpel and four links of blood-stained uh, barticles. There was still fuel in the uh, fuel tanks. From the amount they used, it was, it was calculated that she made some 243 miles before an engine stopped probably just about 50 miles away and it drifted that far. So wow. nobody really knows what happened, but this one's a lot stranger because, you know, the ship, the cargo was gone and the crew and the firearms. So that leads me to believe them guys, them uh, people on that ship probably got killed. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, they dang sure ain't on vacation, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know we'll be on vacation in, in Florida. No, I don't know where y'all are no, going. No, we're going to this big hotel somewhere in Texas. Well, there's a lot of them in Texas. And it has a, a lot of pools. I just can't tell you what the name is. Okay. All right, we're going to go to the Pas Pascagoula Abduction. Oops, sorry guys. It's an alien abduction. You'll like this one. Scary. Okay. Let's go. This was an alleged UFO sighting in alien abduction in 1973, in which Charles Higgins and Calvin Parker cl uh, claimed that they were abducted by aliens while fishing near Pascagoula. Pascalua, Mississippi. On the evening of October 11, 1973, 42-year-old Charles Hickinson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker told the Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office that they were fishing off a pier on the west bank of the Pascalua River in Mississippi when they heard a weary whizzing sound saw two flashing uh, blue lights and observed an orbital-shaped object three to 40 feet across and eight to 10 feet high. Parker and Hawkinson uh, claimed that they were, and oh, that they were curious and uh, perplexed while the three uh, 
while three creatures with robotic stealth mouths and crab-like pinchers took them aboard the object and subjected to and subjected them to an exam. Now it's weird. Okay. Following the incidents, Huggins gave interviews and lectures and appeared on television shows describing the events that, the events that happened. In 1974, he claimed additional encounters with aliens. And in 1983, he authorized a self-published self book, UFO, UFO Contact of Pascagoula. Parker later attended a UFO co uh, convention and in 1993 started a company called UFO Investigations to uh, produce television stories about UFO sightings. Oh, scary. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I couldn't... I remember that, though, because that guy was all over the news. I remember as a kid growing up in the 80s, you always heard about that guy claiming... Poor Whoa. guy. Everybody's like... Oh, You're he lost crazy. his mind. He's crazy. No one believed him. But now a lot more people do. Mm. Wait till you hear this crazy story. This story is the Kentucky meat shower. What? It rained meat this day. Oh, yes. I bet the other dogs and all of them loved it. <laughs> the Kentucky meat shower was an incident occurring between the hours of 11 and 12 o'clock for a period of several minutes <laughs> on March the 3rd, 1876, where what happened to be chunks of red meat measuring approximately two by two inches, which at least one being four by four inches, fell from the sky in a hundred to fifty yard radius in an area near the settlement of Riggin in the uh, in Bath County, Kentucky. There exists there exist several explanations on how this occurred and what meat was. The most popular being that the volatile theory in which a group of volunteers reductively rejected their meals after being starlighted into uh, taking flight. The extradited type of meat was never identified, although various reports suggested it was beef, lamb, deer, or bear, or horse, or even human. Oh, no. Can yeah, it was just chunks of meat falling. Okay, here is the actual story. At the time of the incident, Miss Church, a farmer's wife, was making soap on her porch when she reported seeing, reported seeing the meat pieces fall from the sky. She said she was 40 steps from her house when the meat started to slap the ground. The meat... <laughs> looked gristly according to mrs crotch mrs yeah oh crouch mrs crouch <laughs> mrs crouch and mr crouch <laughs> the crouch family hey look it's the crotches <laughs> and her husband believed the event signified a sign from god a similar event was later reported in europe the phenom was reported by the uh, New York Times and several other publications at the time. 
Most of the pieces, we already told you how big they was and all that. Um, okay. The theory relied on the fact that the Nosket that Nasta Nostoke explained into a clear like jelly mass when rain falls. So basically, this guy was making a scientific. Uh, he was saying what happened, and he was trying to use a scientific ex explanation for it, saying, well, sometimes the rain gels up in the skies and yada-da. But what he wasn't realizing and what everybody was trying to tell this guy, that it was meat, sucker. It wasn't jelly-like formed. Because they knew what jelly was by then. Because they had jam. Yeah, you know, jam. I've got... One more story after this, and then we'll call it quits, and I'll save this big one. I'll save these two right here for our next journey. Well, I'll save this big one for our next episode, but I will definitely talk about this one. We didn't do this one. I'm going to talk about the mysterious uh, signal that day. Anyways. <laughs> she wants to do a podcast where you make noises. She tells ASMR, me it'll be a hit. I, think. I can't pronounce it right. ASMR. All right. I'm doing the Bennington Triangle. The Bennington Triangle is a nickname given to, given by Paranormal Arthur Joshua, jo, Joseph A. Citra to donate an area of, so, uh, area of southwestern Vermont within within which at least five as many as ten people have disappeared between 1920 and 1950 the mysterious triangle is uh, centered around Gladys Berry Mountain and includes some of the most some of the includes some or most of the area of the towns immediate surroundings especially Bennington Woodford Woodford Shiftsbury and Somerset Clintbury and its neighboring township Somerset were both once monetarily uh, thriving logging in it quit an industrial town towns but begin but be but what began the decline towards the late 19th centuries are now essentially a ghost town. By the act of the state legislature, legis, legislature in 1937, the Bennington Triangle has been a hotspot for UFO acto activity, Bigfoot sightings, strange lights and sounds. Other sources do seem to support that such folklore does appear to date back as far as the uh, 19th century when, you know, people started uh, going, uh, getting, people started coming to America, coming to the Let's Land. Like the Native Americans and all that? Yeah, even they had stories about the place. Ooh. This includes local for, uh, folk belief that Native Americans regarded that the Gladysbury area is cursed and 
and avoided it at all times. It was as... It's tales of a wild man and other strange beasts that live in the woods there. In 1945, Mehdi Rivers was serving as a mountain guide in the area on November 12, 1945, when he, he was uh, guiding his group back to their camp. He got ahead of the bunch and was never seen again. The event happened near the Long Trail Road, an area that 75-year-old Mehdi was pursuable that he was familiar with. He knew that area like the back of his hand. Police and volunteers searched for their man, but there was no clue to his fate, and he was never found, not body or anything. Why not? Yes. Yeah, he knew that area like the back of his hand. Now we have Paula Weldon, a college student, went hiking on the long trail one day, and she was never seen again. No trace of her has ever been found. Would you stop your flicking stuff on me? And then, in 1949, three hunters went missing in the area, but there's little evidence to back up the claim. Which means that, I guess no one reported it. The family members just know that they vanished. I don't know. They all went ghost mode. Yeah. Then James E. Turford got uh, on a bus in St. Albans. By the time the bus reached... Bennington, he was gone and never seen again. There was no evidence that supports that he actually went missing in the uh, ben Bennington Triangle area. Like I then, said, they went ghost mode. Then, in 1950, on October 12th, Paul Gibson, an eight-year-old boy, went missing. His, he, uh, his scent was followed by dogs, but it was lost on the highway. Then in 1950, Freda Lander disappeared on October 28, 1950, when she was hiking with her cousin. Freda had, separa <clears throat> had separated. Had separated. Had where would I go? Had separated with her cousin to head back to the camp. To change after her, to change her clothes that were wet, but she never returned to the camp. A massive search was uh, mounted by police, volunteers, firemen, and military, and women helped, but nothing ever turned up. Still, the follow, still following up, uh, still to this day, nothing has ever been found or anything of her. But well, we'll take that back. Her body was found in a field that had been searched extensively in the previous months. What? Mm, I feel so, like somebody put her there, didn't it? Yeah, after they looked. They just didn't look huh. hard enough. There's going to be some uh, paranormal investigation people that's going to be making a documentary about the place. When? Hey, don't give a date. I wish they would, though, because that sounds like a pretty cool documentary. Yeah. Uh, well, and that is it for that one. Hope you enjoyed that. Bikinese, Choconese, Triangle. Now, I think I'm going to do one or two more, and then we're going to call it quits. Mm, call it. Date.
I didn't realize this one was going to be so long. Okay. We are going to go over... We are going to go over the mystery signal from space from 1977. This is what it looked like. I don't know how to read that, but somehow they know, the scientists know what all the numbers and stuff means. But it's some signal they got, but uh, let me write my time down and I'll dig into the story. Oh gosh, I'm going to use those numbers and say, <laughs> say don't touch this. On August 15th of 1977, Jerry R. Jerry R. A. Eman was working on a project at the Big Ear Radio Telescope at Ohio State University when he received printouts from earlier that day. A signal was found compared to the night sky and lasted 72 seconds while leading E, e Man to circle the code E or 6EQUJ5 and wrote, Wow! In the margin. Scientists posted the signal as an external in origin, meaning not organic from its earth, but could not be the sound of passing comet or other actions within the universe. The sound has never been recorded again. So even the scientists were like, Whoa. we can't say it's a bullshit because uh i mean sorry about that we can't say it's fake because there's uh no, no evidence they said it's no comment or anything like that so i think something might have been trying to get a hold of us and be like hey guys what y'all doing up there Hi. i want to know i'm an alien out here i just want to be I'm your an friend outlaw. i don't want to take over your world totally all right, our last story of the day is uh, Storm Hector, the thunderstorm that you can set the, your clock to that, you, that happens at the same time every day. I'm doing that. <clears throat> Have you heard of the... Of, oh, ah, damn. <laughs> the only thing I hate about these mics, I forgot they're uh, like right on these there. little stands and they're right in our face, and I didn't think about it. I went to scratch my nose, and I knocked the mic into my face and everything else. So, sorry about that. Have you heard of Hector? He's a thunderstorm, and he emerges every day around 3 p.m. If you want to meet him, you'll need to travel to Tawa, to the Tawa Islands around 7 o'clock north. Oh, it is uh, north of Darwin, Australia. During the build-up seasons, September through December, or on rainy seasons, January through March, Hector is reliable that locals set their clocks to him every day. The Concell shape, the Concell shaped Tiwi Islands, play a significant role in the triggering of Hector each day, helping to funnel the sea breeze. 
rapidly upwards and convecting the warm and humid air up as much as 220 kilometers into the atmosphere, creating a deep, impressive uh, Columbus-like thundercloud. During the Second World War, World War pilots used used to use Hector as a reliable navigation beacon on their journeys between Australia and Papua New Guinea. Today, Hector is loved by meteorologists because his clockwork appearance makes him easy to study and help understand the factors that influence the, the thunderstorm's development. Yeah, but that's pretty cool because it's island and the way it's formed and the way that wind and stuff comes off the ocean, it starts the, them thunder clouds. It starts them thunderstorms every day. That's cool. Sorry, guys. I got cats and dogs I'm stepping on over here. All right, guys. Anything you want to add on, Steph, before we wrap it up and get on out of here? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, like I said, on our new, are going to be doing two of these a month. She's going to be recording on UFO stuff. So, and I'm going to keep doing this mysterious stuff, 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 stuff. But uh, this has been what, Steph? What's really out there? I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And I am your co-host, Stephen Booth. <laughs> Excuse me. Is that really out there? <laughs> All right, guys. This has been What's Really Out There. Don't forget to check out our other podcast from Booth Pod- uh, Podcasting Productions. We have this one, What's Really Out There, Ghost Stories Told from the South. We have... Wrestling 101 wrestling, with Jackson. Yeah, Wrestling 101 with Jackson. Borderline, Texas, Borderline Texas Trash. Trash, which is mine. It's the adult one. Mm-hmm. So, y'all guys check them out. But uh, we will see y'all later, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>